Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. I am joined by the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts here in studio. Adam, how we doing? Hello, friend. Doing well. Well, kiss my grits. <laughs> I beat Indeed. you to it. You did. I Man, beat you to it. For the people of a certain age uh, who know that television catchphrase made popular by Flo, who I believe was from Georgia, on the sitcom Alice, none of which my younger sibling James had ever heard of. Um, I told him. Wait, 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 wait. I had heard of Alice. Oh, okay. oh absolutely. Right. Good. Yes. Good, good, good. I just, the phrase, kiss my grits. Do you know you the said, name of the Greasy Spoon? It, it, he does not. It was Mel's Diner. Well, there you go. <laughs> he's he's going to be doing a lot of YouTubing later. So I just told him, I said, you know, somewhere along the way when we have disagreement, I'm using Kiss My Grits in this podcast. You won't know when it's coming. So <laughs> I just decided to get ahead of it as much uh, as I could. I, gotta I know. On. He's sitting I'll here find like another. A, I'll find another catchphrase. But I'm not telling balloon. you. I'm not telling you next time. I, well, you should. You just see how I react in real time. Hey, guess who else is in studio with us? Leighton Parker. I hope everybody is 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 ready for a, a lovely Thanksgiving holiday, and we do continue our work here at Lewis and Broad Studios. The beat goes on. That's right. But yeah, I don't know if you know we we wrapped up season four of our podcast yesterday for for Lewis and Broad, and we'll be reigniting it in the spring. So. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Check us out on social media. Website, listenbroad.org. I'm going to jump into the scripture for the day, for the week. comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter, verses 33 to 43, which you might find a little bit strange, as this is a crucifixion text. A crucifixion text, you think, Happy to yourself. Happy Thanksgiving, exactly. Well, indeed. just a little bit of information for why we have this crucifixion text. You may or may not be aware that there is such a thing called the liturgical calendar, the worshiping year. It begins with Advent, which is typically the last Sunday-ish of November, and goes all the way through this upcoming Sunday, which is called, some have called it Christ the King Sunday. Some call it Reign of Christ. Either way, it is a Sunday, a feast that was established and initiated in 1925 by by Pope Pius. And so it, it marks the culmination of the end of the liturgical year. Advent makes sense to start the year you are awaiting the birth of Jesus, but we wrap it all up by acknowledging as, as 
our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus the Christ. So, the folks who put together the lectionary, i.e. the list of scriptures for each given week, they go a little uh, kingly crucifixion-esque with this particular scripture. With that context, it makes so much sense, and I think uh, perfect lead-in to, so good job, lectionary Lizard Illuminati people, wherever you are, uh, it's great. <laughs> it's great that uh, that we get to think about the sort of king that Jesus of Nazareth is reveals himself to be, uh, is revealed to be, uh, and then the next thing we're going to see is him in a feed trough. So uh, Jesus crucified, baby Jesus in the feed trough. Oh, I was like, what are you? Wait, what? Feed, oh, feed trough, right. man, feed trough. Yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. Saw one of those in Israel, limestone carved, and the sun warms it up. Makes sense to put your little baby in there. So he starts his life, his earthly life, in a feed trough and ends it Uh, being executed. On a Roman cross. Yeah, what kind of king is that? That's not the normal one that humans look for. It's certainly not the kind that we see advertised in election cycles or the kind of king or queen that our powerful elites esteem themselves to be when they announce that they are running for office. It is not the exercise of power in any kind of way that humans would understand or want to be attracted to. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, let's do indeed. I just think that last statement I made, I heard that. I was like, well, he's qualifying a little bit. Of course, we... We know and we want that incredible attraction that happens to Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But, but by human, purely human standards of leadership, uh, if we're being honest, it would be very easy to see Jesus' story as a failure in human terms. So Well, and, and, and I, I want to start off with, because it's easy to gloss over some especially in in scriptures that we read at least on an annual basis. You know, this is typically kind of a, uh, it's a Good Friday text. It is a scripture that we hear around Easter time, Holy Week time. And then as we have noted on Reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday. And I just think it's really interesting the Lectionary lizards. I feel like they're gonna make a movie. Like a <laughs> sequel to the Da Vinci Code. It's pretty niche, but yeah, you know. Yes. And I think you should direct it. <laughs> and I'm screenplay all about it. it. But I think it's interesting that they go this route, and but it starts off with Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Boy, did they not. And and I I I don't w- want to say just well it's those morons back in you know first century palestine who clearly missed the point and he thinks we don't know what we're doing either yeah it's kind of a ways of god or not the ways of humans sort of situation perhaps and so of course they don't know what they're doing Uh, i think case could be made they should know they're doing something pretty cruel but it was standard operating procedure for the romans to execute uh, certain classes of people in this way at that time. Yeah, but and 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 there's only one person though that really seems to know what's going on here, uh, outside of Jesus. In this story, 
there is one person who seems to know this ain't right, and it's one of those criminals. It, that is super powerful in this passage. I so think. let's talk a little bit about, so set the scene, we'll get to the criminals. You have them crucifying Jesus. He has somebody on his right, somebody on his left. Jesus forgives them or asks for their forgiveness. They cast lots, dividing his clothing. People scoff at him, and they beg him, tempt him, deride him, saying, well, if you're really the Messiah, get yourself down. If you're really the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there's an inscription over Jesus as he is there dying that says this is the king of the Jews. And then we get to these criminals. One's begging for Jesus to do what, Adam? Well, so really, if you look at the whole situation, Jesus has exercised an incredible power. Uh, in an unexpected way when he forgives. I mean, to say, you know, Father, forgive these people. I intercede on their behalf. That's pretty powerful and subversive sort of power that Jesus illustrates all along. You see that complete misunderstanding of who he is as they absolutely just barb him verbally and make fun of his supposed status uh, as Messiah. And then, and then one of the lest I... Love the Greek word there. I was just reading recently in the book Zealot by Ray Aslan that I would really recommend. Um, you know, this word lest I is used in the ancient Roman context. It, sometimes we hear it thief from the older translations, King James. Sometimes we hear robber. Sometimes we hear bandit. Here we hear criminals. Uh, it's a word used particularly for insurrectionists. So lest I... We're always crucified by the Romans. So you got two less die. Actually, you would have, you could technically say you have three. You got three less die is where I'm heading. You got yeah. it exactly right. And, and that's a tough one sometimes for Christians. I'm not exactly sure what that's about. Maybe it's that our Christology, oh, sorry, fancy pastor word. Our thoughts about Jesus get so high. We, we love thinking about King Jesus in full resurrection, clean and beautiful and glowing and uh, cosmic and powerful. But this is, this is low, earthy, human, fully embodied, bleeding Jesus. The Lestai, perhaps, the insurrectionist, the Romans thought. And he was here to start a different kingdom. But, of course, they misunderstood that completely uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, what did he say? He says, um, he says, uh, Are you not the Messiah? I, Save yourself yes. and us. Yes, I was looking for the exact quote. Um, the other criminal says, Don't you fear God? the one who seems to understand who he is, since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly. This man has done nothing wrong. And then, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So here's, here are potentially three accused insurrectionists, one making fun of this Messiah, because here I am. At this point, I'm nailed to a Roman cross. I've been arrested. I've been busted. I'm dying up here, literally, in a humiliating way. Uh, so you, Messiah, won't you save us now? And, and, you know, you almost could see that as, as this man, this less died, uh, turning completely on the whole idea of what his life had been about, perhaps. This idea that there could be a reestablishment of the kingdom. And, and then this other one still believes in the kingdom, still believes Jesus is Messiah, and knows that a Messiah has a kingdom uh, in the line of David. 
It, it, yes, incredible difference between the two. Well, I think what's really interesting about that first criminal, are you not the Messiah, save yourself and us? Yeah. How many times do we try to use Jesus to support our cause? Uh, Christian people, myself included, almost always. How many times do we try to call upon the name of the Lord to save us for the sake of ourselves? He's almost twisting Jesus's status to save his own skin. And the other criminal basically says, you're missing the point, man. Yeah, you could say that that first criminal, his framework can't change for whatever reason. So his understanding of Messiah has not changed. And since obviously this outcome does not go with his understanding of Messiah. This can't be the Messiah. We're going to die. Let's make fun of him and die. The other criminal, for whatever reason, has this expandable and expansive understanding of kingship, kingdom, Messiah. Uh, Obviously, it's where I want myself to be. It's where I want us to be as followers of Jesus, to have this ever-expanding understanding of who he is, Uh, because we can't contain Christ, the Messiah. Yeah. So there it is. I mean, it, there's that was a, profound. There's a there is a <laughs> disconnect between what the crowds and including this criminal think a true king is or a true monarch or whatever you want to call it, and what Jesus' version, his incarnation of being king, looks like. It's not about power. It's about weakness. Yeah. Or it's or rather allowing. maybe turning power on its head, allowing, a different yeah. kind of power. Mm-hmm. But it's not about might. It's not about flexing your muscle. Yeah. It's about giving of yourself for something greater than yourself so that others might live. And it's exactly the embodiment of Jesus's preaching, healings, uh, parables, way of life, and very nature, I would say. This is it made absolutely crystallized and visible. It makes me think of something, you know, I love to say this. How many times have I worked it in? It makes me think of something Archbishop Desmond Tutu said in the class that I got to take with him. There it is. <laughs> Here's what he said. Chalk it up. He said, this was, so, this was so powerful to me. It stayed with me all these years. He said, Jesus is... Uh, the incarnation of God, and that incarnation is very literally the omnipotent made impotent. <laughs> the all-powerful made, in the direct uh, dictionary <laughs> meaning of that word, impotent powerless. The all-powerful choosing powerlessness. Now, this is a radical idea that folks in Bible times didn't get hold of very easily because it's that radical and, and that we struggle to get hold of sometimes because it's that radical. But it's the only path to resurrection, which is where the power is. So the question is, what, is, what does this mean for us today? Well, you know, one, one potential route to pursue would be this notion that what we see leadership-wise reflected 
and embodied in our culture is this notion that might creates fright. And Jesus' death, his life, his ministry, and subsequently his resurrection spits in the face of that. Ah, the Romans are trying to eradicate him from history and terrify everybody who witnesses it. And he overcomes every bit of that. In fact, it becomes the vehicle for God's kingdom. Yeah, man, that's the heart of the gospel right there. That I can get excited about. The other thing I want to say is uh, I want to quote a an article that I read by somebody named Ryan Bonfilio. I want to say that's how you say his last name. If you're out there listening and I've just butchered your last name, I'm so terribly sorry. Drop us a note. But I, I, he wrote this article recently that was just phenomenal. And he, he says that we operate with a theology of deathless resurrection. That is, we're glad to talk about the empty tomb, just not the cross. The result is that our resurrection talk is barely distinguishable from a generic spirit of optimism, a vague hopefulness that somehow, somewhere, our lives, the church and the world will gradually improve. What we miss is that God is not in the business of keeping dying things alive. God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. I think that's perfect. I, it's exactly right. Exactly right. And so much more powerful. Christians, especially in the first centuries, seemed to be somewhat freed from the overwhelming fear of death. Now, imagine the radical things that people can accomplish when they aren't afraid anymore. And, yeah, I mean, we, we fight so hard to keep what we know and love off the cross. Absolutely. We fight so hard to keep things that clearly need to die to keep them going. We do, we do that in our own lives. We do it certainly in our churches. How how often do we fight to keep that one program moving? That ministry that we have a sweet spot for in our hearts that, that worked so well. And we're so sentimental for it, and it was so good and beautiful. But it does not work anymore. It's not working. Yeah. And, and we do not let those things die in the church. We, we want to keep them on life support for as long as we possibly can. When, in fact, what he says is so right. God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. In order to get there, you have to let things die. And what I love about that is when it comes to Jesus's own resurrection, he died. But when he came back to life, they didn't recognize him. It, it was like ministry or, or his life, his mission took on a completely different form. Yeah, and then, the, and then the essence is still there somehow. And so in certain moments, the breaking of bread and the Emmaus walk. Their, their eyes are uh, open. The saying of a name, and they recognize it. It's so beautiful. It's, I, y'all, people, my people listening, this is so exciting. This is, this is the heart of what it's all about. That's right. So maybe to acknowledge Christ as king or Christ as reign is to acknowledge that Things sometimes just have to die, including all, all us. things, most especially including us. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, Jesus said, it cannot bring forth fruit. Yeah. Sometimes we just got to let 
that happen, but to have hope and faith and trust that God can resurrect those things. Which can make us fearless. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think there's something there about what a kingdom looks like where death is but an avenue towards a greater resurrected life. It's the vehicle. In spite of everybody fighting to get to the top. So, I think that does it. That's good. I'm, I'm excited. I think I'll be pumped for the rest of the day. And I'll, I'll read it again tomorrow to get repumped. Want to uh, engage us, talk to us. Please do. Social media at Lewis and Broad on Instagram and Facebook. And lewisandbroad.org. I think Adam has one thing he has left to say, and that is kiss my grits, bro. That's the button. <laughs> Have a fantastic <laughs> holiday couple weeks. Remember who and whose you are, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week. <laughs>